Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. In today's episode, we're talking to Rob Schwartz, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Rob, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. For listeners. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. And for our listeners out there who are not familiar with you, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about what you do? Uh, is this a three-hour podcast? Because we'll be here for three hours, but I'll give you we'll a summarize it. We're going to summarize right. it. Started <laughs> off with Polygram Records in the mid-90s. Uh, started my own label after that. Went to the West Coast as a songwriter. Worked with some artists off of the Face label. Uh, came back to the East Coast. Um, started a website 2000. Actually, I went to Wall Street. While I was doing that, I started a website 2001 kohumag.net. Then I turned to a DVD magazine where the first DVD... First one up with hip hop and blockbuster Netflix. Um, we also are Walmart, Target, um, everything like that. 2005, 2007 turned into a TV show where the first independent hip hop TV show to go international with 120 million households on Sky TV on a station called Cool TV. Uh, from there, we went all over the world, brought it back to the US, air nationwide in the US for a while. Uh, then all of a sudden, 2010, I started something called Who Make Distribution. Uh, we started our first record was Karis One and Just Ice EP, which helped get a deal. Now, 13 years later, I have 1,000 artists, 300 labels, through distribution, including a Grammy. 2012, I launched the first urban OTT network on, called iFame TV, uh, Roku. Um, then from there, we, now we have three networks. We have iFame TV, we have Who Make Multimedia and Video Vision, and Roku, Apple, Fire Stick. Uh, 2019, was it? I did a lot of stuff, man. We did, uh, we're the first ones to get involved with um, NFTs for music distribution. We had um, something called the Hoomies. Interesting. Yeah, we did. Um, uh, what else did we do? Listen, you gave me the whole rundown. So There's lot, no more questions, I guess. But now, now <laughs> I have now I have the dopest building in Atlantic City. I have um, me and my boys. We're at, we're yeah. at Caesar's Pier, uh, former Caesar's Pier. Now Good. it's Six One Studios. We're turning this massive five hundred fifty thousand square foot building into a movie lot. Music. Well, great. You're gonna you're gonna have. To, we're gonna get into this, and you're gonna tell us oh, more wow. about it because that's very interesting. Obviously, I didn't. But yeah. I didn't know you worked for Polygram Records. I didn't. Know, what did you I do for Polygram? Just curious. I interned at a ILS Distribution. Uh, in fact, oh. I was just on the phone wow. with Mitch, Mitch Dudley, who was my boss. I just hung up. Uh-huh. Going to be on here. That's my man. He's yeah. over at Sony Orchard also. So we're still together. So it's fair. Years. It's fair. Not to interrupt, but it is fair for me to say that that was really what started the whole thing. Like what, you know, my next question was uh, pretty much what got you started in the business? How did you get started? So Polygram Record is your first thing? So my, uh, I went to Rider University. I was a double, the double major in marketing and advertising. And my professor, uh, Dr. Strally, who was amazing, um, told me, I don't know if you cut out for a lot of this stuff. I'm sending everyone else to like door-to-door sales companies and all this other stuff. I got the best internship for you, Polygram Records. I was like, where wow. is it? Like New York City. I'm like, well, I live in Cherry Hill. So like, Rob, do you want it or you don't want it? I'm That's like, yeah. about an hour ride. From- no, no. It was a two and a half hour ride <laughs> each way on the bus. Oh, I my never God, on the bus, yes. Yeah. So, so five hours. <clears throat> I went five hours to work every day 
for an unpaid internship. That shows you how bad I wanted it. And after that, like my mind was blown. I met so many people and I really got to in the industry. And that's when I knew there's nothing else I want to do but music. You know, <clears throat> that's the key. You said one thing and really a lot of people sometimes don't how bad you want it and how much you're willing to sacrifice. I lived in Jersey. I lived in New York and I know where Sherry Hill is. Yes, it is far. It would take me about an hour and a half drive by car, driving 80 miles an hour on yep. the turnpike. So, yep. <clears throat> or Garden State Parkway, if I'm not sure. But yes, two and a half hours each way. Yes. Take the bus up, the 33rd, walk up the Worldwide Plaza. Yes. Yes. And this is what the show is about, really inspiring others who doesn't have the opportunities. How bad you want it and how long and how much you're willing to sacrifice. Great. Um, You know, one inspiring thing and really amazing that you're a Grammy voting member, and which is a unique role in the music industry. And how has being part of that Grammy uh, voting is kind of, uh, you know, shaped your perspective on what makes a great music and how does it impact uh, your involvement in the, in the scene, in the music scene? It's interesting. It really changed my perspective on a lot of things because before I was always almost like, I don't want to say anti-Grammy, but I'm like, oh, whatever, these guys don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden I was asked to be a, not just a member, a voting member. And it was because they didn't have anyone that did music videos at that time. And I was the one I did music videos for a lot of major labels. Yes. Uh, so that's how I officially got in as a voting member. And now love those guys. The Grammys are great. If I had, but I learned that the Grammys is a nonprofit organization and Renaris is and the Grammys, what, what we see on TV is just a small part of what they do. Grammys are the ones that went to Capitol Hill and protested for us to get all the musicians to get higher pay off of these streaming platforms. They're the ones that helped us get unemployment when COVID hit. They're like it's an organization that fights for the rights of artists. It's not just an award show. So being a member of the Grammys really changed my perspective on everything about this music. Um, um, I love going to the Christmas parties. I won a Grammy. A Grammy's actually. You see it? Yes, I oh, see it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this actually, is great. It is very inspiring. This is the yes. part. And this is very important what you said, you yes. know, behind the scene of the Grammy, what they do and how they contribute and what they help. And this is very important for upcoming inspiring artists out there. What are you saying? My Grammy, yes. My Grammy is for best children's album, Mr. Rogers. That's what wow. no one Mr. ever Rogers. That, but that's what it is. Wow. We have, have W.S. Holland, who is Johnny Cash's drummer signed to us. We have Ellis Marsalis' last records. We do everything. And uh-huh. that because we have a lot of hip hop legends and hip hop and R&B artists, that, that's all we do. We do a little bit of everything. And my Grammy's for Mr. Rogers. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. Well, congrats, my friend. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> also, you know, you have songs that hit the Billboard chart. That's mm-hmm. a remarkable achievement. And yeah. can you break down what it takes to create a chart-topping track and share the advice uh, for inspiring artists uh, who aim to reach those heights please sure so there's two different snares one the ones that we distributed we had two number one singles a number three and a number six uh we had one in the latin latin blues we had one in this one latin jazz one in blues two in blues and one in the country charts actually uh, uh-huh. a friend of mine who does he has a lot of number one records one of my labels 418 where i work with they do it all the time. Um, basically, the way if you, to break Billboard, it's a it's a mixture of radio streams, downloads. It's a it's a mixture of a bunch of things. So 
you have to be able to hit all of them to, to actually chart. So when you're doing a song, one thing you have to think about is, is it radio friendly, first of all, because you're going to need some spins on it. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people they say, oh, it's not made for the radio. Well, then how do you post a chart on Billboard if it's... Cause that's, that's okay. just, just to ask a question here, what do you mean by radio friendly? Like, is it the length of the song, the sound of the music, the lyrics, the... Everything. I mean, one uh -huh. thing is we get songs sometimes that are five, six minutes long. Sometimes we get songs with lots of curses and they'll think, oh, I'm just going to edit it out. But even by editing it, you, have, you curse so much that no radio station is still going to play an edited version unless you totally <laughs> re-record it and change the lyrics and have a radio edit where it's a complete inversion. But if you're just beeping everything out, some stations still won't play it. And also you got to think about when it comes to explicit, like these playlists, these playlists don't pick up explicit songs. So I'm you're sure. knocking yourself out of a lot of playlists already by just cursing because that's, that's what happens. So you have to think, and, and I have a lot of hip hop artists, especially who don't get this. And I'm like, at least give me a single dude where you're not cursing, but just give me something that you're not calling this person this or doing this or talking about this because you know, we can try to get more playlisting that way if it's something that is family friendly. You know, is, not, is radio, you know, but you know, is radio play still as important as 20 years ago? Oh, well, we all know streaming is everything right now, everything mm -hmm. is digital streaming. But is yeah. radio play affect any of that or not really? Or mostly YouTube and not really. I mean, I was just, just before now, I was just interviewed on Prince Carl's interviewed on Sirius XM. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're going to do it because Rock the Bells is hosting one of my events coming up, Distro Fest, uh -huh. in two weeks. And one thing uh -huh. about, you know, being on the distributor side, um, I love it when SiriusXM plays our songs because we get nice checks through distribution, man. That's So, I, so when you go to something like radio, it, it does help as far as the money you make because three streams equal a penny when it comes to streaming. So, you know, a lot all that work you put into the streaming – doesn't pay as much as radio, but who, are people listening to the radio still is the question. And, you know, people are, but it's not like it was back in the day because that was our only option. That was so correct. Much. Correct. Now you have TikTok and you have Reels, Instagram mm -hmm. Reels and all of that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> it really comes down to, um, and the thing about it too, is you got to remember is even though say, okay, everyone's on Spotify. Cool. But guess what? Now you're bad on everybody. So correct. It's, a smaller to it's better to find a smaller lane. And just focus on the small lane and, and try to get everybody in that small lane. Don't get more fans and trying to follow what the trends are. Is is TikTok is the new way to break songs? Yeah. You know, TikTok, visual yeah. social media like Instagram Reels and TikTok. I mean, and shorts. Is, I mean, the thing on is, YouTube? your competition is a cat playing the piano. It's, you know, whatever it is, it's not all just music. So, yeah. It's, you know, and hopefully you find a song that that cat playing the piano will use your song in the background. You know, a lot of people think I'm just going to do a dance. It's going to go viral. It sounds simple and it's not, but it's like everything else. There's everyone trying to figure that out. So mm -hmm. while right now a lot of songs are breaking on TikTok and social media, I mean, again, sometimes if you're a brand new artist, it's better to think outside the box. Yes, think outside the box. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, uh, I didn't even know that, that you also an experience in uh, music supervising, you know, and basically right. inserting music into films and tvs mm -hmm. shows which is pretty impressive um you. can you share the insider tips and advice for musicians especially for hip-hop genre and who are looking to get their music placed into movies and tv shows and all of that yeah so the way i do it is a little different than most music supervisors i only place uh -huh. for distribution artists and the reason why is because i know this i know the song 
I know who really wrote it. I know who, if it's cleared or not, because I already did my own research on it. The biggest Great. problem we have as a music supervisor is that people are giving us songs that they don't own. They're getting these tracks off of like Beat Stars or off YouTube, and they're telling me they own it. And then all I got to do is simply Shazam it. And if somebody else's name comes up, I know you don't own it. I'm hearing samples. I know samples. Listen, I know music. So when they I own song, the creation, but not the actual composition. <laughs> they they may write yeah. the song, but they yeah. have that's it. That's all they own. So when they're giving me a wow. song and telling me, "Hey, put the song in there," I'm like, "Dude, this is sample on Bob Bass, or this is sample on this person, or Joni Mitchell." Like, they're like, "Oh, well, the producer said I can use it." Dude, you can't. It's like, but they don't understand. People understand. And is and that a would, major problem? Is that a big problem, yeah, Rob? It's a massive problem because what's going to happen is this: is that if it's the, I'm the music supervisor and it slips by me, goes into the yes. movie, and the artist is like that, no one's going to recognize it. Someone's going to listen to that and recognize it. And what's going to happen is that artist is going to not sue that artist. He's not going to sue me. He's going to. They're going to sue the the movie production company, you know. And then it's going to trickle down and trickle down, and everyone's going to have a lawsuit against this. So the thing is, so extra, extra careful then. So how do you? What do you advise them? Don't sample. Uh, get uh, get things uh, contract on paper, like get clearances actually signed by lawyers and papers and all, or just do not sample when you are starting in the business and creating new music. What do you? What's I, your advice? I'm kind of a, I don't want to say I'm a jerk, but when it comes to my to the things I distribute, I'm very very careful of everything because I just uh -huh. we turn down a lot of records. If I hear a sample, I even though I'm like yeah, no one's going to know this because no one's going to listen to ours anyway. I still won't pick it up because I'm very, very careful. I don't want to have any lawsuits against us. Um, yes, so I, my yeah. advice is you have to literally stop sampling. If you yes. have a sample, that's fine. Just put it out through somewhere else. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but we can't handle it. That's not, you know, know what happened? They're always going to go after the biggest dog in the tree. That's it. That's, that's, it. Yes. that's it. We had lawsuits <laughs> against my company before. With yes, yes. We had one we had to take care of. We took care of it, but you know, we get we get these strikes against us. We have to fight it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. of, some of the biggest things right now is like, People don't understand the difference between exclusive tracks and non-exclusive tracks. So if you lease a track, the big thing is people are leasing tracks. If you lease it for 30, 40 bucks, that's fine. You can distribute through someone else. I'm not taking it because guess what? Somebody else has that track. Now, if you Shazam it and someone else's name comes up, that person's getting your money, first of all. Number two, that person could eventually buy the exclusive rights and flag us for having it. Why am I taking yeah. that risk? It's not worth the risk to me. Well, I hope some of these young cats who's listening to us and taking notes because this is very valuable, important information, Rob. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Um, everything. Hip hop, I would say, has seen a remarkable, uh, you know, evolution and continue to shape the music landscape. Uh, what do you think keeps the genre so popular as your hip hop head? And you know, you've been in that hip hop side for a long time. Um, and how do you envision the future? of development, the future development of that genre also. Is it going to change or just going to continue evolving, you know? It's, um, that's a tough question for me to answer, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm so into the culture. You know, I've yeah. been involved with hip-hop my entire life. Um, even since 95, a polygram, I put out Jay-Z's first record in my lifetime. Blase Blaze, AJ with the Damager, Dougie Fresh, the AOI record, Beanie Man. So uh, Group Home, I've been so, like, and as a little kid, I grew up loving hip-hop. Like, I was a weird kid. People thought it was weird the way you listen to the stuff. So I love hip hop. So the direction is gone now. I'm not too happy with it, uh, to be honest with you. Why? Uh, um, you can't do sh go to shows now without shootings or fights. Um, a lot of the songs sound the same right now. Everyone's saying the same thing. There's no, there's not a lot of storytelling anymore. 
Um, and the thing about it is there's still a lot of incredible, incredible artists out there, you know, yes. but they're getting overlooked from the quick. I want to remember all these lyrics real quick so I can memorize all these lyrics. Back in the day, I used to write lyrics down and study them to memorize songs. Now you hear these hip hop songs once or twice. And it's so simple. You remember everything. And it's, and it's, to me, it's like the, a lot of, and, and there are still some amazing, and that's why I love what I do with the distribution, man. Cause I get to pick what I want and I have so many yes. incredible artists that are lyricists and, but they never really cross over to the mainstream. So I mean, listen, you, you travel a lot. You, you, yeah. you, you, you speak, you go to a lot of conventions. I traveled a lot also. And would you say hip hop is a world as everybody's culture, worldwide culture? Whereas when you go to Spain, let's say, I know you just came back from Spain. So, oh, would you hear different kind of music right now? That's really kind of taken over. If you go to, to China, if you go to the Middle East, if you go to, uh, I mean, you know, the world is small and big right now. It's, it's a combination of both. So I spoke, I spoke in South Korea to 50,000 people about hip hop music before. Yeah. I just got back from Barcelona at the Future Music Forum speaking about Grande. But yes. I got to say, when I was in Italy last year, I spoke at a hip hop film festival in Rome. And I was I was very pleasantly shocked. Uh, uh -huh. There were a lot of people living like you know part of it's like yeah you are living like you're in the 1980s with the culture, but they love hip hop so much they they're uh -huh. dressed as b boys and b girls. They're break dancing. They're showing off for me all the break dance moves like and it was like a, everybody. There's their hip there with uh, the movies that they were making out there were like yeah real you know hip hop orientated and um. I think we take it for granted. Like I'm over here in, in the, by the Philadelphia area in South Jersey. I know you're from the yeah. New York area around here. So it's like, we're like around the Mecca. We grew up around it. So like, like when I went to South Korea, I wanted to buy a really cool South Korea shirt. Cause yeah, I was yeah. in South Korea. I go to the mall and all they had was New York shirts. I saw a few Paris shirts, but everything <laughs> was New York. Wow. Like, I was so like, I just want to buy a South Korea. I couldn't find one. So wow, they, they love us so much overseas because we are yes. influenced, and I think we take that for granted. A lot know, of I'll say that again. I'll repeat it. Yes, we do do take things for granted here. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of hip hop artists, legends especially, go overseas and make ten times as much more money than they do here, and they love them overseas. Wow. They do a show over there, it's sold out. They do a show over here, maybe twenty, thirty. So, and and the craziest thing was when I went to South Korea, I had this personal tour guide, and he was like. Naming off all like, oh, you heard of so and so? I'm like, nah. He's like, oh, you know, he's from New York. Nah, you heard of so and so from Philly? He's the biggest rapper in Philly. I'm like, I never heard of him. <laughs> I'm like, it's going to, and I'm realizing, like, you know how easy it is to go overseas and fool these people. And that's what people are doing too. Well, I wouldn't say fool, but kind of like, you know, because they embrace the culture and they yeah. love it. They kind of, you know, they, they, they welcome it. You know, they welcome it. Yeah, yeah. I yes. want to say fool yes. is the right word. But they the welcome time, it. Yes. Same time, yeah. it's like when you're here, there's yeah. like millions of artists out here. You know, when you're out there, there's millions of artists too, but we stand out more. Like if somebody from a different country comes here, they pop out to yeah. us because the way they talk, the way they look, the sounds. So they just stay a quick out. question. What would you like to see in the hip hop? Uh, should I say the hip hop world to change, to make it more, you know, kind of more in a positive, like, uh, you know, it's a positive message out there. Like, how do you, what would you like to see for it to change? Like, what's, you know, love, kind of. I love this, the 50th anniversary of hip hop. I love that yes. people are starting to learn that the, the, the Brooklyn Library, what they did with yeah. Jay Z, like, they're trying to figure out how to attract kids to the classic generation. Um, I think that the problem is the younger generation doesn't care. 
They don't care about what it is. Where other genres, you study the Rolling Stones and like the Joni Mitchell. You didn't, you're growing up, like if you want to be a guitar player, you yeah. study guitar players. You know, yes. before you play. Hip-hop artists aren't studying a lot of the classic hip-hop artists. So now we have now we have a window. It's the 50th anniversary, and I'm glad that these artists are getting paid what they actually deserve, finally, to do shows, and they're super-duper high in demand because of it. I'm just scared on the 51st anniversary what's going to happen, you know? But I'm hopefully at this point this year, you know, a lot yeah. of doors open up and a lot of things change, and this is the time to make a change to help the educational side of it, and that's what I'm hoping for. Great, great. Love the message. Love it. You, for you kids out there, whoever's listening, inspiring artist who wants to be an artist or, you know, these take notes, please. Rob knows what he's talking about. Please take notes. And that's what the show is about, the Soundbreaker, to help others to break into the business, you know. Um, you've had an opportunity to work with a lot of big names uh, in the music industry. Uh, can you share uh, an unforgettable experience that you have had uh, while collaborating uh, with one of the biggest names that you came across or you worked with? Um, collaboration's a hard word to say because, you know, through Humag TV, I interviewed like 3,000 people. Through Humag TV, DMT, and Video Vision, we interviewed 3,000 people. So mm. interviewing, I got a lot of great interview stories, but that's not really collabing. Movie-wise, I've done a ton of movies. I worked with a lot of major stars in the movie world, but that's not really collabing either, I guess, because that's just working with uh, movie stars. Um, but it's, I worked with, you know, to me, I think uh, one of my favorite interviews, believe it or not, even on, it was a hip hop show, Who Mag, was actually Sean Astin from Lord mm. of the Rings. Because I was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. And I remember he spoke, he, I saw he was speaking in Philadelphia. And mm. uh, I went over to do it. I reached out to her name was Sharon Pinkerson. She ran the Philadelphia film office. And she was super nice. And she's like, listen, Sean said he'll do the interview once he's done speaking and signing all his books. He had two little girls at the time. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the third DVD was coming out at that time. That dates it back how long ago it was. His girls were real little. They were tired. He was, they were yelling at him to go to bed. He's still signing books. I'm thinking I'm never going to get this interview. And it was almost four in the morning. And the girl, as soon as he was done, the girls were pulling him. He goes, no, this man's been waiting for me all day. I'm giving him a great interview. He gave me a great interview. Amazing. And people like that, you just don't forget. Pitbull yes. was super duper nice when I interviewed Pitbull. Um... It was somebody else's interview. He invited uh -huh. us to come, and when he was done with them, coming to us, and they had his big food spread, and my camera guy ate up most of his food. <laughs> so, but he was super cool. Um, one of my favorite groups of all time. Uh, I grew up on was a group called Nucleus. They had a song called Jam on it, which was a classic song. And uh -huh. uh, one day I was like wondering, like I interviewed all these famous people. I never interviewed one of them, so I looked them up. Went to the house. Had like a two-hour interview. And me and Cosmo were like. We're super duper close friends now. We talk all the time. He's coming out in two weeks. I see him all the time. So a lot cool. of it is with me, these stories is like, I look who I idolized growing up and I have an opportunity to talk to them now because the TV shows, everybody. Yes, yes. And now great. we do panels. I did I did a play music conference uh, and I did DistroFest 1 and 2. We had panels on two. So now I get to bring my industry friends in to speak on things super. And, talk and bring the industry together. So great, great. I mean, that is an incredible journey you had so far, uh, Rob. Absolutely, you know, really incredible. Um, something that you know a lot of us been through, and you know, as we all know, the music industry known for its challenges and setbacks. Uh, can you share a difficult moment that you faced in your career and you had to overcome, and how do you overcome it? Yeah, so I can tell you a story that 
I really don't talk about. I'll give you some exclusive if you thought that was Please, that. absolutely. All right. So I left my TV Hold show. With- this is a Soundbreaker exclusive, everyone. Here we go. Please. Here we go. Yes. I left I left the financial world 2009 yes. of October because my TV Wall show. Wall Street. Yes. Yep. I worked at yes. that time was at Merrill Lynch. I was doing so well with Hunag TV. Uh-huh. And then so I left it and decided I'm gonna go full time. I'm making these guys this much money. I'm making this much of Humag. If I do full time in Humag, so I took that massive jump. Um, as what's going on was going great, but I also got to do music videos. So I started doing a lot of music videos. And then 2012, I was hired to do a music video in Iowa. And uh-huh. the artist, the very first scene was he pulls up with the car, the car breaks down, he gets out does this thing, walk around, and we this whole the whole city shut down to do this yeah. video. Um he I didn't know he didn't know how to drive. Oh. And he crushed me between two cars. And as a result, they wanted to amputate my leg initially. I went to the Whoa. hospital. And they they were put they were really pushing to amputate my leg. And I said no. My Whoa. son was just born right before this. My daughter was three. And I'm like, I'm not and they're like, well, you're going to wish you did because you have compartment syndrome, your legs blowing up. Yes. You're going to have to cut it out, take it off. I'm like, no. Nah. Because I'm in, I'm in Iowa. Like, if they told me that in Philadelphia or New York or Jersey, I'd be, in no disrespect to the, you know, Iowa, just that we have great hospitals over here. Uh-huh. So I took my chances and I couldn't walk for six, seven months. So wow. now all my music videos stopped. You Whoa. know what I'm saying? The TV shows stopped. And here I am, I quit the day job, but I was making decent money. And now I'm sitting there with nothing. And huh. I started losing everything. You know, you're not and, working at Wall Street anymore. You quit that job. Nope, nope. So I had to figure out what to do. So that's the reason why I started iFame TV on Roku. I came across Roku. I was trying to figure out how to launch my own TV network because my nationwide network went off the air. And I didn't have $150,000 a month to get a direct TV channel or dish TV channel. So yeah. I researched my ass off, came across something called Roku. And for the last, for seven, eight months, no one knew this. I was working uh-huh. in my bed and I couldn't walk. I didn't tell anybody. No one knew. I just turned down other video jobs that kept coming in and yes. just focused on my TV network and focused on other strategies to make money. And that was tough because everything was over. My whole life just changed in one moment. And I had to bounce back to recreate myself because now I, I can't even go look for a job if I wanted to because I can't walk. Yes. So what do you do? And this is, you know, this is 2012. So this was, you know, before working at home was even thought about really. So it was um something I had to overcome and I had to figure out fast and reinvent myself. And I did. So yes, yes. Yeah, so there's this your is, story, Bob. Yes. Well, this is definitely an exclusive. And I'll tell yeah. you, it goes back to the beginning of the conversation when you said how bad you want it. It makes traveling from Cherry Hill to Manhattan to New York City is a walk in the park, actually. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, how bad you want it. Very inspiring and being creative. And that's the music business about it. It's all really about, I would say, in my opinion, is about being creative and being consistent. Consistent mm-hmm. and creative. You got to yeah, always think. There's always a way. There's always something to do. This you know? industry always yes. changes. You yes. have to understand. If you want to be in this industry, you have to be able to adopt fast. That's it. Adaption. Yes. You got to adapt and you always got to think. There's new ways. Job just yes. telling you what the future is going to be and understanding. Yes. Like we got NFTs, we got yes. the Roku, we got everything. It's like really you have to be forward thinking. If everyone else is already doing it and then you yes. hop on, it's too late. You missed it. 
How long I know you? I know you for years, for a long time. I never knew that. I really, I never knew that. Absolutely, very inspiring, my friend. Really, congrats, Kudos. So you need another word from us, from Soundbreakers. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds you good. do. You really Thank do. You. I'm going to tell my producer Ash to get one. We're going to create good. one. We're going to give it to you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I appreciate. It. Thank you for for sharing such an inspiring story. Mm -hmm. uh, in your opinion, what is uh, some of the common uh, misconception people have about this business? You know. In the music industry, you know, people always have it painted in a glamorous scene, but nobody really knows the hard work and what goes beyond the scene. If you can share some of the, uh, you know, experiences in your opinion or misconceptions. Two different perspectives. I'm going to give you one yeah. from the artist and one from the industry. Yeah. Uh, from the artist perspective, because I talk to artists all day long, is yeah. that it's easy. You know, and yes. everyone's not, okay, we'll, we'll just buy some fake views and we'll fake it. And everyone wants to find a shortcut. Everyone wants to be a superstar. But there's millions and millions and millions of artists out there. There's a hundred thousand uploads to Spotify every single day. Now you put that hundred thousand uploads every day. Yeah, to DSPs every single day. So wow. put that in perspective. That if your one song is one of a hundred thousand today, is one of two hundred thousand tomorrow, it's one of three hundred thousand the next day. So, and getting fake views isn't going to help you because when you have to drop another single, you still don't have any fans. And as an industry person, I can dissect it so quick. You come into my office with your fake Instagram followers, your fake YouTube views. It takes me two seconds to dissect it. And I can look right out the bat. So I, I, I have to learn how to do that. But I have software that does that and I learned myself. But anyway, um, the big thing is you, it is hard work. And it, it's, yes. three, it's three jobs. It's you being an artist. It's you doing social media. And then it's also you understanding what's next. Like you have to do all this. Plus, if you need a day job to support it, that's four jobs. So when I worked at Merrill Lynch, I would work from nine till seven, like at home. I would eat something and then I'd work from 9 p.m. till 3 a.m., sometimes two or three hours, then go back to Merrill Lynch. I was in New York all the time. I used to try drive up to New York because I had a TV show. So I was always up there interviewing people. So I was back before. I come home from Merrill Lynch, drive Cherry Hill, drive all the way up to New York, film, come home at three, four o'clock in the morning, sleep for two or three hours, go to work and pretend I'm wide awake because I was a supervisor. And no one knew what I did. I was like a uh, Clark Kent Superman. Like I couldn't tell yes. anybody because then people would look you up. But so as an artist, if you want it bad enough, you got to do whatever it takes and stop being fake, be real because people appreciate you as being more real. As far as the industry's perspective, I didn't come from any money. I didn't have any relatives in the music industry. I did everything I did on my own. A lot of people think that you have to have somebody to pull you in. And it always helps, of course. But you'll find your way. If you want, again, you want it bad enough, you just got to read just so many podcasts like this one. You know, go through all Bob's episodes. Like, go through, there's a ton of them out there. Just research it. And just, you know, there's always, instead of like watching TV and watching Netflix, read a book about this industry, like learn about it and learn every aspect. Even if you want to do one thing specifically, learn about everything else because you'll be so much more valuable and you give educate yourself. Yes. yes. And also one thing too, which I always say is go to conferences, go spend the money. Don't, you know, because you know, you'll get to see these speakers, you get to meet people. It's not all about the speakers. It's also everyone else that's there behind you. You get to meet people that are like-minded people that you can collaborate with and figure out some other strategies. Create the relationships. Make these relationships. Man. Yes. Internet relationships. Yes. No, you need to be in person. This business is based on relationships. Yes. I just got back from Barcelona. I just got back right went straight to Syracuse, New York. 
and spoke at a film festival. Yeah, I saw that. Yes, yeah, I saw I that. Yes. Yeah, I gave Alec Baldwin Award, actually, after yes. those photos later this week. Uh, before that, I was in Toronto. I spoke at Canadian Music Week. But when I'm not speaking, I'm in the crowd. I'm not going to the my room. I'm not going to the bar. Hang. I'm talking to people because yes. it's – and I'm talking to the regular people. I'm not saying I'm a speaking, talking to speakers. I'm there. I'm, I can inspire somebody. I will, but you never know who that person is. So yes. you, you have to learn to be an extrovert, you know, and it's, it's hard for people, but you have to put on a fake mask and go out there and do what you have to do. But that's how you win, man. It's all about the more you learn, the better. Yes. Correct. Correct. So you would say you heard it first, guys. Definitely here. Uh, no fake views. We don't support fake views. Definitely. There's no, what does that mean? No shortcuts. Sure. And believe in yourself. It depends how bad you want it. You want it, you got to believe in yourself and you got to keep going forward. Create new relationships. Take notes, everyone. Relationships, this business based on relationships and collaboration. Absolutely. And be innovative. Be creative. Come up with new ways. You were in bed. You couldn't even move for six, seven months. And look at it. And you had family. You had kids to feed, wife, and a baby. Absolutely. Great. Yep. More kudos yep. to you, my friend. Thank you. Um, well, it, it takes us to also what I just said about uh, collaboration relationships. Uh, you know, collaboration is a key element in this world, and especially in the music business. And <laughs> is there a collaboration you would share with uh, that's someone you work with that left an impact on you, uh, Rob? You know what? This is... And not trying to plug what's going on here. No, my whole entire, we my want you whole, to. <laughs> yeah, my whole thing is I've always worked by myself. Yes. Because I brought, I worked with people. Every time I tried to bring someone in, it didn't work. Yes. So some friends, uh, my friends were in Joe. I've known him for about 15 years. And yes. I know my partner, Dom, for a while, too. And yeah. my friend Chris over here, I know him for about 10 years. And Kofi's new with us now. But it was a bunch of us that got together decide to open up this. They're in the movie world. I'm in the film world. I'm sorry, they're, they're in the movie world. I'm in the music world. And Dom's in the events world. So it's like we all came together with this idea to open up this building. We've only been here for two months. We fight. We crack on each other. We, we're, we're becoming like best friends, all of us, all of a sudden. But we're running a building. Yes. And it's like as much as I love music and film, we come in here with all these high expectations. We're coming in dealing with maintenance issues. We're dealing with insurance issues, how to get our alcohol license. So it's it's life-changing. This whole experience here is life-changing to me, and I love it. It's like the yes. best thing for all of us to ever happen to us. But yes. um, it's me letting my guard down because I've always had my guards up to partner with people mm -hmm. and learning to like adapt more with partners. So. As far as collaborations, man, I think this is probably the greatest right here. And Good. I'm, I'm so excited for what we have plans, and I can't wait to work completely up and running. Yeah. Uh, but we are running now, you know, but at a small speed. Um, but that's it, man. I mean, this is – and now, and the good thing, too, is DistroFest 1 I did by myself. DistroFest yeah. 2, and I have people helping me out. Coming to me every day, Rob, what can we do? Rob, what can we do? And we're like, Rob, it's your show. Well, we want to help you with your show. What can we do? And I'm actually like, okay, fine. Do this. And, I, and I'm breathing like, wow, okay. Yes. And I know they'll knock it out the park. So it makes me feel really good to have people like that around me. Good. Good to know. Well, um, you know, technology, uh, you know, I'm going to shift to something in the music business, but to a different thing where technology uh, significantly changed the landscape of this business that we're in. And how have um, you know advancement in technology influenced your uh, work in the music industry? Oh. Everything. 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 
it started when I put my first DVD out in 2005. I had no idea what I was doing. It wasn't meant to be a DVD. It was supposed to be part of a business package for an investor. And yeah. I had a whole business plan together. And it was just a bonus that I made this DVD up as extra. Look what the cool stuff we can do. Uh, the investor the was BS this the whole time. Never happened. I had this DVD. Didn't know what to do with it. Found this book of Barnes & Noble. It was a, a list of distributors. Bought the book for like 40 bucks, which was a lot of money for me at that time. Yeah. Made up a thousand copies of the DVD. Just mailed them out to every single person in the book. Wow. And everyone rejected except for two. There was um, one called Eagle, or I'm sorry, Empire, and one called MBD. And, <laughs> I was going to say MBD. I was yeah. going to say, yes. But yes, Empire yes. said, hey, so Empire got me into Blockbuster, Walmart, Target, Best Buy. MBD got me into Sam Goody. Not Sam Goody. They got me into Tower and a few other ones. And uh, I put, next thing you know is I have this DVD that went worldwide. And Wow. It was just a mistake, you know, from there, I'm like, okay. Then I, then I had to teach myself how to film and edit because my camera guy moved. So I had to teach myself that kind of technology. Then it came from learning, even when from the TV show, right? That turned out to edit my TV show. Then learning about this Roku thing, like yes. this is OTT thing, 2012. This is 10 years yes. ago. And like, yes. I'm sitting there, I had to come up, I had to come up with strategies around it. So like, Hey, everybody have a TV network. Oh yeah. Where is it? It's on, it's called iFame TV here. Where's it? It's on Roku. What's Roku? You have to be prepared to have a piece yes. because no one knew what Roku was. Next yes. thing you know, everyone in Philadelphia was buying Roku's because I purposely was filming them. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you can only watch it on Roku. So wow. people were going out buying Roku's to watch themselves. And then with the NFTs, man, I created something called the Hoobies. Do I have it back here? Yeah. I created... You know, I saw NFTs was the next thing, and no one knew uh, NFTs worked at that time. So actually, yes. wow, look at that! Artists into yeah. NFTs. I made physical copies too because no one knew what they were. I took uh -huh. ten of my artists and turned them into NFTs, and yes. And the tough part was like these packs were like digitally fifteen bucks to buy, but I would spend an hour and a half on the phone trying to explain so that to, for someone to spend fifteen dollars. Yeah. That was kind of tough, but uh, <laughs> it did really well. But it's always Good. like the next stuff, man. It's so like technology always been positive to you, you know. Yeah, and I love it. I love challenges. Yeah. And I don't want to get into it, but uh, you know, some people reject it. Especially AI is a is not around the corner. It's already part of our business, part of our oh, everything, yeah. Yeah. and everybody's like, you know, they yeah. fringe a little bit. But I think it's well, going to have a, a positive impact on the music industry. That's my opinion. Technology makes technology. Yes. That yes. being said, it's going to keep yeah. getting quicker. Look how long it took yes. for the 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 twelve track, the, the records. I've been there. I've been through it all. Yes, vinyl cassettes and everything. Yeah, all the, of it. It got shorter, shorter, yeah. shorter, yeah. shorter. Yeah. Now it's Absolutely. like this. Yes. But AI is going to now as a music supervisor, like AI is definitely the death of us. I'm scared of AI because of no. that. Because <laughs> no, don't AI, be. It's, don't be. It's not the death don't of be. us. Baby. It's not, but it's it's really it's like not. some things we're looking at to embrace it. And there's so many positive to it too. Yes. As a music supervisor, it's going to be rough on us. Yes. But it is what it is. Hey, we have to adapt. That's We have yeah. to adapt to new things. Um, you know, in your line of work, how do you stay uh, updated with the latest trends, innovations, uh, changes in the industry, and how important to, and how important to continue to learn, you know? But how um, do you keep yourself at least, you know, updated first? The good thing is a lot of my artists are educated enough to say, hey, Rob, I saw this. Or, hey, Rob, how I do this? And a lot of times, like, I don't know. 
so I always do my own research and see what the next trends are, but I'm always studying stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. One big thing we have here in Jersey is we have the highest tax credits in the United States for movies. So it's something that now I have to be on top of all the film side stuff too, because we're now a film production company here too, with the film sets. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's a lot, man. But um, I mean, I read I, stuff to come. I don't I don't read the newspapers much. I, I look at my phone. I'm, I'm not just scrolling through Instagram. Sometimes I'm just looking up different trade magazines just to see what's going on. I go to a lot of conferences, and there's always a new topics. Of course, right now the hot thing is AI. Everyone's talking about AI. And um, I was at the Neva conference, which is the National Independent Venue Association. And the biggest thing is, it's all about ticketing. So the yeah. biggest conversation is yes, second market ticketing sales cool. and stuff like that. So all that kind of stuff, you may be like, this has nothing to do with me, but eventually it does. So yes, yeah, just be on top cool. of everything. Great. Um, you know, I, I one of the reasons I started this uh, podcast is I stumbled on a lot of great stories in my 25 years in the business. And I figured, why not, you know, uh, inspire others and be inspired and share the stories that, you know, that we paved the unique path for us, like yourself and me, and I'm sure many, many, many others in the business. Um, Which leads me to a question is how, um, as you know, this business has uh, something called gatekeeping, where people kind of don't want to give you the key or open the gate for you. And many of our listeners in a similar situations, especially the younger ones, who insp- not, well, I shouldn't say younger and all the ages, no matter in the music business, doesn't have a number. But um, in this situation, like what, how, what tips can you give people who want to get into the business? But this business does is known for the gatekeeping, if you know what I mean, which kind of prevent from a lot of people coming into the business. But there is ways, like if we can help each other, obviously, and and open the doors for others, you know, we can grow the business better. But I know the business has that. What's your, you know, just a quick tip on that? I said this earlier, the best thing to do is go to conferences. And why I say that is because like when I did play music conference, I had over 70 speakers in my conference. And the reason why I did that, I brought all of my people there. I brought all my plugs. I was like, Rob, Mm -hmm. you're plugging everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I don't want you to call my phone all day. You know, here, I brought everyone in the room. I bought my, I bought the Orchard, I bought publishing, I bought music supervisors, I bought, I bought BMI, I bought the MLC, I bought, um, who else, man? We had um, all different, we had seven different speakers, um, organizations, members of the Grammys. I brought them all in a room together. And I said, well, you're a great example for such a thing. Definitely. Yeah. So stay active. Your message is stay active. Go out, be out there. Yeah, and and the thing is like, I know some people want to gatekeep because they want to figure out how to make money off of it. Right by themselves. But, yeah, they want to figure out like I'm going to be the the, the bottleneck, so I can make mm. money off these transactions. I'm more like, listen, man, you guys, we roll together. I want to see how you guys win. So I don't want to bottleneck anything. Here it is. But after this, after I do play, if you didn't come, you can't call me up and ask me these questions when I put everyone right there for you to talk to in person. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yes. So the thing yes. is, like, you have to be proactive and find his answers. And if you feel like someone's bottlenecking you and being that gatekeeper, then you have to figure out your own way to get around it. Maybe there's a different situation to figure out. Go to these conferences, man. They happen all over. Well, I look at it this way. If somebody says no to you, then you're talking to the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Move on to the next one. That's it. Uh, No negative energy. Just just move. Yes. I mean, definitely these are valuable insight, my friend. Really, really. And uh, to our our listeners, you know, I'm sure they're going to find these incredibly, incredibly helpful and inspiring. 
you know, and hopefully that will shed some light on their on their path to be in the music industry. Uh, before we wrap it up, you know, is there anything else, which I know you do, um, to share about your big project you've been talking about since the beginning? And you, we spoke on the phone quite a few times. You told me about it. So please, yeah. I'm not going to say nothing. I'll let you take the lead on that one. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier, like right now, the biggest venture I ever worked on, I'm right now at ACX yeah. Studios in Atlantic City. Uh, we have a 550,000 square foot building that we've made for music, uh, movie production with movie lots. And we have a whole production team in here. We also have 17,000 square feet for our music incubator. We have retail stores on the bottom floor. It was a four-story mall. This literally was a mall. It was Caesars Pier. It's uh, it's over the ocean. It's over the board. It's over the beach. It's incredible. It's massive. Uh, we have a venue in the back that holds 3,000 people for concerts, plus a small stage in the front. There's like 17 bars and restaurants in our building that we're converting everything over to movie sets. Um, so... Super excited to be here, and our next big event is in two weeks, the 21st and 22nd. October 21st and 22nd of 2023 is called Distro Fest 2. And what we have yeah. is we have about 80 artists performing. We have um, about 40 panelists speaking. It's is that going to take place in your building, in your new studio to, building? Nope, wow, nope. great. I'm going okay. everyone to Atlantic City. You guys want to come yes. out and party, come out. But it's going to be a lot of industry people here. You can definitely yes. network. If you're an artist, this is the place to be. I'm bringing all these contacts into one place for two days. So come out here, distrofest.com to get the tickets. Um, but we have, we're doing a 50th anniversary of hip-hop special. we got some really big hip-hop legends performing as well. as so you have rock, we have pop, great. jazz, Latin little bit of everything man we got some great edm dj spinning so it's all genres but we have i'm gonna real... come up there i'll probably come oh. up there myself absolutely if you're, if you're gonna come up i'm gonna put you on the panel though that's it right. yes we'll speak about it after the show absolutely cool all right well you know first of all um uh, thanks for joining us rob and taking the absolutely. time really appreciate it today and uh, including today's episode of Sandbreaker, uh, please make, uh, if you like us or you please like us, follow us on social media and stay tuned for more episodes. Rob, thanks again, buddy. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for the time. My pleasure. Thanks. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.